This is Indian Noir, India's number one horror, crime and dark fantasy storytelling podcast. Dev Asur Season 1 Episode 9 The Trimurthis Tejas had worshipped all his life had nothing to offer. Nothing. Nothing to guide him through this tough decision-making process. He was meditating inside his private tent, surrounded by his armour, his weapons, and tactical maps drawn up by Shreya and Belvir to inform his thinking. After so many disappointing attempts, He still yearned to hear the voices of the mighty creator, destroyer and protector. He didn't know why he continued to bother. A fool. I am a naive fool, Tejas growled. It was a habit he had struggled to eradicate from his life. Once the tireless devotion was rewarded, now it was a waste of time. Just like a useless organ that had succumbed to rot. he would have to excise this part of him soon enough earlier that day the shasana had addressed the deva retinue in their command tent he narrated a colorful tale he explained that veeraputra's murder was in retaliation to the kidnap of emperor ahiravan's cousin malanaga Apparently the shasana had arrived in Vanamal as Malanaga's second in command. It was a reconnaissance mission to gauge the strength of the deva defenses on the planet. The shasana proffered that he had murdered Veeraputra in a fit of rage when he did not offer up the details of Malanaga's location. Subsequently, further investigation had led him to a secret Dhanava base. a day's march from the asura keep the shasana's yakshi spies were able to penetrate the base via a secret tunnel they discovered that the danavas had imprisoned both malanaga and indrasena at this location the asura had also learned that both prisoners were being transported off planet in a matter of days How do we trust this brat who has illegally infiltrated a planet under our rule? How do we trust this verminous bastard who murdered one of our own? Belvir had roared. Tejas had noted 
that Belvir had been on the edge ever since he laid eyes on the Shasana. Enough, Tejas had said, planting an angry stare on Belvir. The validity of Belvir's question remains. Why should we trust you? Tejas said, turning to the smirking form of the Shasana. I do apologize for the act of violence I committed due to a misunderstanding. I am prepared to accept any punishment for the same. But at this moment, I come to you out of desperation, the Shasana said. Belvir gritted his teeth loudly. The Shasana continued. We need to act now if we are to save our wards. I could have asked for help from my brethren in Alakapudi. But teleportation from the nearest Asura outpost will take days. Days and hours which we don't have. The Danava forces protecting the base is too large for my existing forces to conquer. But together we may accomplish this. Your pedigree remains a problem. And the crimes you have committed by infiltrating our world and by murdering our brethren does not sit well with us. How do you intend to pay for it? Shreya said, finally losing her temper. This comment enraged the Shasana, and he looked like he was about to burst a vein in his head. The Kuberas did not take offensive comments lobbed at their lineage lightly. Both of you out. I will speak to you afterwards, Tejas said. Both Shreya and Belvir stormed out of the tent. Only Supradhan the Gantharva and a handful of Apsara and Yaksha captains remained. I can see why they are angry, the Shasana said smugly. Wipe that disgusting expression from your face. And know this, if we decide to join hands with you, your life is forfeit at the end of this mission, Tejas said. The Shasana nodded but with displeasure writ large on his face. I will let you know of my decision soon. Now leave, Tejas said, as he dismissed the Asura swordmaster with a wave of his hand. Tejas had spoken to Belvir and Shreya and other captains afterwards and drawn up several strategies. Belvir was particularly insistent on not trusting the Shasana, but he did not offer a pertinent reason for the stance. Tejas could see that he was hiding something. Shreya shared Belvir's opinion. However, she could also see the predicament they were in. Most of Tejas's officers had embraced a balanced approach, which weighed the risk of betrayal against the reward of freeing Indrasena. While the enmity remained, unlike the situation with the Danavas, the Devas and Asuras were not officially at war with each other since the end of the Kritika campaign. They were in a situation that could be best described as a diplomatic deep freeze. But in recent years, things had escalated into a cold war. Presently, Thages was meditating on those possibilities and seeking some divine help to aid him in his thought in vain. The way he saw it, if he played stubborn in the name of the rivalry between Devas and the Asuras, he might lose the opportunity to rescue Indrasena. As the Shasana said, 
Time was a precious commodity under these circumstances. The Shasana claimed ignorance of the intentions that had driven the Dhanavas to the kidnappings. He speculated that they may be trying to blackmail both the Devas and Asuras for teleportation technology. They just could not come up with other possibilities either. Based on the Shasana's intelligence, they had a day and a half before the captives were teleported out of Vanamal. Aid from Swargaloga would take days to reach the forest planet. They just had to act here and now. The Gantharva commander came out of the Padmasana pose and got up to his feet. He gave a frustrated look at the small three-headed statue representing the Trimurthis before exiting his tent. His officers were eagerly awaiting his emergence and they looked to him expectantly. He glanced around at their faces and the faces of the rest of the battalion which had arrived half an hour ago. Let's go get Indrasena, they just said. The combined troops of the Devas and Asuras crested a large mound of dark soil. Their eyes fell on the immense mouth of a cavern, chiseled into the snarling face of an angry ape. The Deva hosts outnumbered the Asura soldiers, comprising of Rakshasas and Kuberas, at a two-to-one ratio. They could be easily distinguished from each other by the sweep of golden armour prevalent amongst the Devas, which was in sharp contrast to the silver and red trimmings of the Asura military garb. While the Deva breastplates, shoulder guards, greaves and vambraces featured a lightning bolt symbol and scriptures from the holy Vedas, the Asura armour was emblazoned with skulls and runes from sorcerous texts like the Atharva Sutras. The celebration of this unique iconography of the two forces was also reflected in the coats protecting their steeds and the trimmings of their weapons. A sloping tract of shale covered the ground that led to the cavern's entrance. Wooden guard towers, spiky log frames resembling gates, and earthwork defensive structures protected their objective. Anthropomorphic beasts Reptilian-humanoid shapes and bird-human hybrids manned these defences, carrying spears, halberds and other deadly weapons. The inside of the cavern also hosted a garrison of additional Dhanava forces, according to the Shasana spice. At the centre of the vast cave was an ancient place of pilgrimage for the Dhanavas, a shrine dedicated to Bhagravan. For some nefarious reason, it also contained a subterranean prison complex where Indrasena and Malanaga were imprisoned. It is a shame my Yakshis are not joining your infiltration mission, the Shasana, who was perched on his horse beside Tejas, said. I don't care if you take this personally, but we just don't trust you, Tejas said. He then leapt off his horse. 
Belvir Shreya and ten Apsara swordmasters flanked him. My team and I will infiltrate the prison complex through the secret tunnel, Tejas began saying. While I lead the main assault, Dashasana said. No, Dharmaj will lead the assault, Tejas said, pointing to the smiling form of a Gandharva who stepped in front of Dashasana's steed. The Asura Swordmaster shook with rage. And what am I supposed to do? Polish the boots of your Apsara playthings? Word of advice. Make sure you don't say that in front of the Apsaras ever again. You might find yourself short of a few body parts, Tejas said. Suddenly, one sharp end of Supradhan the Gantharva's double-bladed staff planted a cold kiss on the Shasana's neck. Tejas continued. Also, Supradhan will babysit you as the battle unfolds. You will have no part to play in it. Ah! The Shasana snarled. Be a good boy and get off the horse and hand over all of your weapons, Supradhan said. The Shasana did as he was told, begrudgingly. He looked around in disgust, and it was clear that the insult wouldn't be forgotten any time soon by the verminous bastard. Now, Stand here right at the tip of my blade and watch on as we successfully accomplish this mission, Supradhan said through a smirk. The Shasana frowned as he scanned the battlefield longingly. He then spun towards Supradhan and said, Careful with your provocations, youngling. I hope this doesn't mean we don't have the full cooperation of your forces, Tejas piped. Tomaka, the Shasana bellowed. A hulking brute of a Rakshasa, who was the Shasana's second in command, emerged from the Asura ranks and met Tejas's gaze. A thick full beard graced the Rakshasa's angry face, which also featured a pair of intense eyes that hungered for blood. No helm covered his bald and scarred head. His skin was dark blue and featured infernal sigils that paid respect to the dark gods of the Asuras. His breastplate featured an enraged skull with sharp canine teeth biting into the wings of a Gantharva. Sharp spikes rose threateningly from his pauldrons and he wore a red tabard over his heavy armour which featured the names of thousands of Devas and Dhanavas he had slain. Dhumaka turned to his master. You will lead our forces and work with the Devas to achieve our goal. The rescue of Malanaga is the only priority at the moment. The Devas feel unsafe unleashing my powerful skills on the battlefield, even though it would have cut short the length of the upcoming engagement. Regardless, if my incarceration will help build trust, I see no harm in subjecting myself to this indignity. So go forth, my loyal servant, and do my bidding, the Shasana said to the Rakshasa. Yes, my lord, the Rakshasa said. A clarion call rang out of the cavern as the Dhanava defenders prepared to fight to death to protect their shrine and their precious cargo. All right, it is time to bring this awful chapter to an end, Tejas said to the Gantharvas, Supradhan and Dharmaj. Good luck, gentlemen. 
pages then turned his attention to the shasana and said, You and I will meet after this. A suitable punishment awaits you. No asura will ever desecrate a deva's body ever again. Chaturjagan and Vidyaman stood at the edge of a talon-shaped prominence that jutted out of the mountain which loomed above the battlefield. Deva and Asura hosts were marching together in serried ranks. Their objective, the 50-meter-tall heavily defended carved opening to the cavern which housed the Dhanava shrine. Dhanavas wielding deadly weapons hooted and mocked their opponents as they eagerly awaited the first wave of attacks. They laughed at the foolishness of their enemies, who were daring to storm the heavily defended bastion. <laughs> their proximity to the shrine of their sorcerer god Bhagravan and Chadurjagan's rousing speech the night before had filled them with confidence and unquenchable kill-lust. This is a great sacrifice, father, Vidyaman said in a doubt-ridden voice. Yes, it is. Our people have been sacrificing themselves in the name of our honor for aeons. But this is not just another glorious day in our military history. This is the turning point, Chaturjagan assured him. But trusting the Asuras, it sure is the turning point in our relations with them. But how is it meant to take us closer to our objective? Why are we sharing our glory with these demon worshippers? Vidyaman said. The Asuras are not interested in Svargaloka. They merely wish to eradicate Devas from the faith of the universe. We want Svargaloka as our base of power. It is our birthright. A fair trade, don't you think? Chaturjagan said, stroking his beard. They gave you their word? Vidyaman inquired. The old wizard nodded. You are going to sacrifice our people because they made you empty promises? Anger was writ large on Vidyaman's face. My son, I am not talking of assurances offered by the Asuras. I meant the revelations gifted to me by Bhagravan. Chaturjagan said with a smile, relishing the look of surprise on his adopted son's face. Vidyaman knew that his father, the greatest wizard in the universe, had not been able to commune with the goat-headed and horned god of Jivamsha for decades now. Bhagravan, the lord of beasts and the wilderness, would not be appeased by his father's rigorous penance or sacrifices or rituals. He had gone silent. He appeared? Our Lord appeared? Vidyaman asked in surprise. Yes, my son. He came to me in a vision many months ago and laid out the course of action for me to follow, Chaturjagan said. After all this time, where was he? Vidyaman could not contain his joy. He had been trying to peer into the future to help us find a way to triumph over our enemies. 
and he told me to accept a gift from the Asuras. The seed that will bring ruin to the Devas. Saying this, Chaturjagan blew on his palms. A turbulent swirling ball of brown granular matter materialized out of thin air. What is this, father? Vidyaman asked, his eyes wide with awe and horror. One of the many products of an Asura blood ritual. It is a rare artifact. It can only be manifested once in a millennia. The Asuras conjured it, but even their Mahatantrics had to admit that only I, the great Chaturjagan, could wield its power. The wizard said proudly, What does it do? Vidyaman asked, moving closer to the mysterious sphere of energy that pulsed restlessly on his father's palms. He could not tear his eyes away from its vile magnificence. It will remove certain thorns from our path and pave the way for our victory, Chadrajagan said. I don't understand, Vidyaman said. There is no need to. You will soon see for yourself, my son. I know you don't trust the Asudas, but I know you take my word as the word of the great Bhagavan himself. Know this, our alliance with the Asudas will bolster our forces. Their blood rituals that facilitate mass teleportation will be made available to us. Together, we will wipe out our enemies and share the spoils. The older man said, Chadurjagan blew into his palm again, and the strange ball of energy vanished with an awful scream, as if it was fighting its journey back to the void. Vidyaman shook his head and cleared the cobwebs in his mind. It was as if the magical manifestation had cast a glamour on him. It is a vile thing, Vidyaman said. It is from a place most evil a place some of our enemies will be cast off into in a matter of hours, Chaturjagan said. The wizard's eyes fell on the battlefield, which was now a roiling sea of clashing blades and angry war cries. Ages, Belvir, Shreya, and ten Apsara soldiers had entered the tunnel system via a secret entrance. The opening, hidden behind thick foliage, was located in a dried-up creek bed not too far from the battlefield. The Shasana's Yakshi's Pais had discovered it. It was how they infiltrated the Danava base and discovered the subterranean prison and the distinguished prisoners within. The moisture-laden walls of the shaft was covered in moss and mushrooms. Strange life forms with thousands of legs resembling horned millipedes and centipedes bristling with spines, snaked in and out of crevices and holes. 
a glowing Jwala Ratna, powered by Deva magic which rested in Tejas's hands, revealed this and many uncomfortable sights as they progressed towards their destination. I can see light ahead, Shreya said. Tejas looked at everyone and nodded. They would have to be extra careful now. They exited the tunnel system and prowled onto a rocky ledge that looked over a sprawl of tiny rock huts that sprang from the cave floor. The subterranean prison. The muted thump-thump of war drums from the surface unnerved the observers. Tages counted some 30 huts. The walls and the roofs of these odd buildings were made of rectangular slabs of stone, a design aesthetic belonging to the indigenous tribes of Vanamal. A quick scan of his surroundings revealed scores of skeletal remains. Most likely, the original inhabitants of the place, butchered by the Danavas to facilitate their illicit schemes. Flaming torches and braziers lit the cavernous space and revealed a dozen Danava soldiers patrolling the length and breadth of the compound. Tejas studied the prison buildings closely. The glow of lamps only appeared in the iron-barred windows of two stone huts. Belvir pointed to the same buildings and nodded. They studied the patrolling patterns of the soldiers for a while before deciding on a plan. Shreya, I want you and the battle squad to stay here and intervene only if we run into trouble, Tejas said. Belvir, you hit the building to the east. Tejas and Belvir dropped down from the ledge without making a sound. They crept through a swathe of tall wild grass before sprinting towards a hut. From there, they parted ways and sneaked along shadowed paths and the cover offered by stone structures to reach their respective destinations. Tejas pressed his back against the walls of his target building and tiptoed towards the entrance. He then took out the wolf-headed guard with a quick stab to his neck. After dragging the body into the shadows, Tejas returned to the door and peered through the slats. He found Indrasena's sleeping form on the floor. She was shackled and gagged. Tejas looked at Shreya, who was observing the proceedings from higher ground, and gave her a thumbs up. Shreya crossed her hands, alerting Tejas to imminent danger. Just then, two guards passed by on their designated patrol route. Tejas lay prone to avoid their line of sight. When they passed, he pulled out a tiny dagger and tampered with the locks and pushed open the door. The room was lit by a tiny lamp placed in a niche on the wall. It revealed a bare, cold and cruel room and the heart-rending sight of Indrasena in chains. She had cried herself to sleep, overwhelmed by the terrible situation she found herself in. They just quickly freed Indrasena's body and pulled out the gag. Indrasena woke up with a startle. Her eyes were wide with surprise. General, Tejas said. Indrasena planted a kiss on Tejas's lips and said, 
You are a sight for sore eyes. And don't tell anyone I kissed you. Teju said, uh, okay, as he watched Indrasena scramble up from the floor. She was wearing a white pattern body glove which hugged her stunning body. She wore no jewellery and the Danavas had confiscated her weapons. Did they hurt you? Tejas asked. No, Indrasena said. Suddenly, a figure loomed out of the darkness outside and entered the room. They just thrust his dagger in the direction of the figure. It's me, Milvir said, stepping into the light, both hands raised. There is no one in the other hut, Bilvir said. Indrasena looked at Tejas questioningly. Long story, Tejas said. Where could... Bilvir began saying, but the sound of mocking claps interrupted him. My dear Deva friends, I believe you are looking for me, the voice said. Tejas, Belvir, and Indrasena stepped out of the hut. An Asura warrior, swathed in light silver armor, emblazoned with images of vicious sea creatures with sharp teeth, was the source of the claps. His giant scythe, inscribed with dark runes, was leaning on his right shoulder. His face presented a thin moustache which sat beneath a hooked nose. He was bald and he wore no helm. The Asura was flanked by the bulky forms of four Danava soldiers with the heads of wild buffaloes. Their bodies, a canvas of ropey muscle that rippled every time they moved. They snorted in disgust at the sight of the Devas. I am Malanaga, and I hope this reception meets your lofty standards, the Asura said with a smile. George! Malanaga hefted his scythe and rushed towards the Devas, a war cry bellowing from his lips. The braying forms of the buffalo-headed Danavas followed him, their jagged scimitars held high in the air. <laughs>